This is Heartstock. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and welcome once again. Our guest this week is Deb Lewis, and she is a fashion entrepreneur mentor. Uh, We're going to find out more about that. She's not the first person that we've interviewed in the fashion space, but very excited because she's speaking with us from the UK, and uh, soon we shall meet Deb. In the meantime... This is Heartstock. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and Daniel Hogan is in the studio. We'll be right back with Deb Lewis. As I went walking that ribbon highway, I saw tuning in today. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Our guest this week is Deb Lewis. Hi, Deb. You're in the UK. What time is it there? Oh, it's uh, lunchtime. It's one o'clock here now, actually. Wow. I really, I I wish I was there. I've never been to the UK. It's on my list. Um, Ah. (laughs) How are things there these days after our COVID and so many things, Brexit, lots lots of stuff going on there as well as here. Are things calming down yeah. in the world? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, post-pandemic, um, you know, things are calming down with that. But I mean, you know, financially, obviously, sort of like, um, I guess this is happening across the world, right? Um, impending recessions and the cost of living crisis, there's all that conversation here. But I'm also seeing sort of like um, the other side to it where people are kind of like drumming down and they're really sort of like getting on where they couldn't sort of do anything for two years. You know, I mean, that's obviously in that situation as well, obviously. Um, And now it's like it's time now, you know, it's time to sort of like, you know, build business and, um, you know, get everybody moving again. So I'm really excited to be honest with you. Can you tell our listeners just a bit about being a fashion entrepreneur mentor? What is that like yeah, and sure. who are your clients? Yeah, sure. So I started out my journey as a fashion designer and I worked for a very, very long time with some of the big names on the UK high street. And I decided when I stopped working with those guys that I wanted to support independent designers who were really um, looking at working with sustainability. So I did quite a lot of life coaching just before that in the leadership program. And I decided when I left that, um, and I was pretty good at it as well, when I decided I was going to leave, I wanted to really work with coaching, but also in my field of fashion. So I decided that I would just marry the two areas together. So coaching um, for entrepreneurs who want to start their own sustainable fashion brand. And what was that like working on High Street? And what were some of the big fashion houses? Can can you mention the ones that you worked with? Yeah, sure. Some of them are quite big names, people like Primark. I worked for the Arcadia Group. Some of the names I worked for don't exist anymore. Some of the big department stores, actually. Um, so it's a little bit of a while ago. But, you know, it's a, it was a massive, a really amazing opportunity. You know, you, you, 
freelancing. I was freelancing for a couple of different suppliers who were supplying these big companies. And I would work closely with the buyers. And, you know, as a designer, it's like a treat, really, being able to work with all sides of the business. So, you know, buying teams, design teams, supply chain, we work in factory um, overseas. But at the same time, because this is fast fashion, it's really quite exhausting. And, um, you know, what they want, you know, one day is out kind of half an hour later. And um, it's all about, you know, we have a problem with overconsumption, you know, obviously. So, you know, this is all to do with sort of making more and people buying more. And, you know, when the the top commending kind of um, statement is like literally just need to make more, then there is something, you know, wrong. More and cheaper, right? Yes, exactly. Year on year, we think cheaper. And it's the suppliers that are sort of um, having to bear the brunt of that as well. And, you know, a lot of obviously these clothes and garments, et cetera, et cetera, they're going to landfill. So for me, you know, I started waking up a little bit, you know, around sort of what is it that I'm doing here? You know, what is it that I'm contributing to? I'm contributing to this huge waste. And also I saw a lot of unethical practices going on, which, you know, kind of probably understandable with with the sort of like, you know, this big company squeezing the neck of the small guys, you know, it was kind of like that. And like you're saying, it's, you know, the prices, um, uh, how cheap everything is, is ha- has to be passed on to suppliers. That's how, that's how they work. So, um, so there's going to be something I think of, you know, you go to these stores and you come out of the shop. I mean, I was like that. And I'm like, wow, look at all the clothes I've got. And I've only spent 50 pounds and I've got like, you know, three bags worth of clothes and it's somebody's paying, you know, um, i.e. someone's not being paid, <laughs> you know, for what they're doing. And, um, you know, it's cu- those types of conversations I was having with myself, you know, after the initial, I was at this amazing of like how I can design and um, make these clothes and, you know, see my, see my designs on people, you know, that kind of thing, because that's the kind of the biggest kick you get as a designer. But it's questioning kind of my morals and my values around it. You no, know? I just had to, I, yeah, I just had to leave that behind. I couldn't really live with myself after you wake up, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I have to stop this now. I've got to move on. So let's talk a little bit about your training and background. Um, you grew up there in the UK and what made you decide, uh, maybe not, but anyway, where did you grow up and what made you decide to go into fashion? Well, yeah, I did grow up in uh, London, so I was born here. My parents were from the Caribbean, so they came here, I think it was in 1959. So, yeah, born and bred, actually, in London. Uh, I've lived in quite a few different places, though, but I used to really watch my mum. My mum was, like, my biggest inspiration, actually, and, you know, seeing kind of all the lovely clothes she used to wear and, going out shopping with her and you know, all the colours, all the fabrics, all the textures used to really inspire me. And I was very artistic as a child anyway. Um, I was, I mean, I thought I was going to go into fine art actually, um, but, you know, very much kind of um, at school drawing and painting and, you know, taking up that kind of um, activities. So it was kind of when I got that interest in fashion, it was very much like, well, I love sketching, I love drawing, I love colours. So it kind of made sense to me to be able to put those two together. And, you know, I had this sense of really wanting to make 
I'd say women, you know, feel great. You know, that's kind of what it was because that's kind of what I felt like when I was wearing, you know, what I loved to wear and I saw my mom and my, you know, the, the women in my family. And kind of help us understand the lay of the land when it comes to educating fashion designers there in the UK and how that may have changed with the whole focus on sustainability now. I, I know here in the US, it's finally creeping in. What was it like when you went to school and has that changed at all? Yeah, I mean, absolutely loads, I would say. So, you know, I was at university in the 90s, so this conversation around sustainability, there wasn't one, actually. So it was all about, again, you know, going back to the sort of fast fashion, you know, area. That's kind of what was presented to me as sort of like that is the option, really. You know, unless you are going to kind of create your own label, which, you know, is not that easy a feat um, in those days anyway. And, you know, it was kind of working in, like I say, in this fast fashion markets, really. And I think, um, you know, fast forward to now, really, I think designers um, really have responsibility. And I think a lot of them coming through, seeing that, um, especially when we talk about Gen Z, a lot of my uh, clients fit into that age bracket. So they already come with a sort of like, they know, you know, what it is that's not working in this world of fashion. And they know that, you know, if they are going to present themselves, create what they want to create in fashion, it's got to to be around sustainability. But the problems are sort of understanding how to really carry it out, how to work with it, understanding what kind of impacts those designers have, what their influences are, and kind of what it is that they, how they can translate what their purpose is into creating something amazing that people want to buy as well as sort of like taking care of the planet and the people with it. Can you help us understand a little bit more about your own evolution? Was there someone or, you know, a fashion house that was a, a big influence? I'm I'm thinking of like Stella McCartney and then your clients. I mean, do they look to others to emulate? So um, being from London and um, growing up here, there was a lot of creativity, I'd say, especially sort of like, you know, back in the day, I said like that, I feel like a granny now, but, <laughs> you know, sort of like in the 90s and, and noughties and things like that. And, um, you know, for me, some of the big names, people like Alexander McQueen, Vivian Westwood, and, you know, sadly, they're not here anymore, but, you know, for me, those kinds of designers were very pivotal um, for my inspiration and the way that I looked at fashion and the way that I looked at how I can develop myself and train myself. I um, have a lot of admiration for those um, two in particular. And, yeah, it's just kind of like, um, you know, that really helped me to see how I can develop my own purpose within my industry because, yeah, at the time I was sort of going through this, uh, working, you know, with these fast fashion suppliers and, you know, it wasn't kind of working out how I thought it would be, which is a bit of life, you know. You know, so I was kind of trying to see how I could navigate work, my purpose, you know, develop fashion, develop design. Um, and this is, you know, where I've pivoted 
with my coaching business, you know, and helping others. Cause that was always the number one thing people would, would ask me, you know, oh, I'd love to be a fashion designer, but you know, how do you get there? What do you do? I've got an idea for a brand. And, you know, nowadays it's so much easier for people to start, you know, we have, you know, with the evolution with the internet tech, you know, people can set up a Shopify store so easily in my day. I mean, you just couldn't do things like that. So, you know, in some ways it's, it's a lot easier, but, you know, in an, in another way, you know, it's working with this subject called sustainability is the caveat as well. So that's something that, you know, just needs to be worked on and developed. Mm-hmm. And within that realm of sustainability, give us a sense of how that may have changed over time and uh, how realistic is it? I've, I've heard people yeah. say, well, you can't be a hundred percent sustainable. So um, you just have to kind of pick what's most important and go from there. What's your take on yeah. that? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's impossible. So a total, yeah. So in a way, when you think about sustainability, it's like total opposite to actually, you know, fashion really, because, you know, fashion, and this is, you know, the whole world and how we behave. As soon as we want something, we've forgotten about that, you know, that want that we've just got and we want something else, you know. It's, you know, all about desires, isn't it? Um, and the fashion industry is very good at feeding into that, which is sort of like part of our as a consumption. And that's all different markets, not just fast fashion. Luxury brands are built on that, you know. Yeah, so it's kind of like we need to sort of like really think about the future in terms of like what are we going to leave behind to, you know, the kids behind us, you know. And, you know, how are we going to look after the environment? You know, those are the sort of like key areas and actually taking care of the people. And, you know, there's ways to do that. And that's kind of looking at circular economy. And this thing about being 100% sustainable is, isn't, isn't possible because, uh, you know, nothing is ever sort of, we live in, in, a, in a world which is just impermanent, you know, so... It, we're just never going to get there. And that's like for any, everything. It's never going to be 100% fast fashion either. Do you know what I mean? So it's just a case of kind of like what road we need to go down. So we are like taking care of ourselves, taking care of the environment and, you know, just doing better and, you know, creating a world where it works for everybody, not just for a few people at top. Hmm. That's a good point. And we're going to take our midway point break here. We'll be right back with Deb Lewis. This is Heartstock. We'll be right back. Back and this is Heartstock Radio. Today we're speaking with sustainable fashion mentor Deb Lewis, and I was hoping Deb we could talk now about most of the issues that you're tackling with your clients, and how, just how do you know since we can't 
do a, a complete um, 180 turnaround here on a dime in the fashion world or probably in any business for that matter, what are some of the most important issues that people are tackling that you work with? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, when I first came into doing coaching and creating my business, I really thought I would be working with designers just on the creative part of the process. So actually just helping them design, product develop and source factories and suppliers. But what I saw was that um, people were missing the foundational setup, which is really kind of like creating, well, if you do want to have a sustainable brand, like why do you want to have one in the first place? Like what is the purpose of what you're creating? And I think, you know, when we're talking about sustainability, that's even more prevalent than if we're not, you know. So some of the big issues are really having people realise why they're doing what they're doing. Who is it for? How are they going to do it? You know, when we're talking about sustainability and when we're looking at the hows around sustainability, it's really getting them to understand how they can work sustainability within what they're creating for their designing. And one of the biggest areas to look at is waste. So we obviously have, like I say, obviously, but we have a huge waste problem, uh, especially in textiles. It's absolutely massive. I mean, millions of tons flying around the world. So, you know, I say that's a really good place to start from. And, you know, this is where there's the gap, you know, of kind of whether designers are trained or not, but it's 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 educating or re-educating around what can we do to use this as materials as some kind of base, you know, um, to upcycle, to create new. And how do we then work out what we need to do with that when it comes to end of life? Now, what happens with whatever it is that you've produced after that that customer has has used it? Um, and you know, those are the like two areas that are kind of the biggest sore points, I should say, um, areas to work on and develop. And how about plastics in fashion? Some folks really hone in on this and uh, what's what's your opinion about um, plastics pollution and the fashion industry um, so yes yeah, obviously we have a big problem with microplastics and you know again I don't even know what the stats are but they're absolutely horrific and you know we are breathing in uh, this pollution you know it's in our it's in our blood I know it sounds a bit harsh but that's kind of what it is I mean, my take is that um, at the end of the day, um, you know, this waste needs to be repurposed in some way. So, you know, I'm never going to sort of, if there is a brand that is using recycled, you know, polys and all that kind of stuff, then then so be it. But it's all to do with an individual, you know, individual take with what they're doing with their brands. You know, I don't think anybody can kind of like say, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. I think the important thing is that people are, progressing and making their brands better each and every time after each, you know, uh, collection they've made. So, you know, if they are looking at their carbon footprint, they make sure they're measuring that. They're making sure that, you know, if they're deciding that they're going to use natural fibres, what percentage are they going to do that year compared to, you know, using recycled, that kind of thing. Um, and it's all about taking responsibility as well. You know, what more can be done by those brands to take responsibility for what it is that they're producing 
can give us a sense of your process when someone comes to you, how do you help them? And um, just give us a, an idea of what it's like to work with you. Mm, sure. So um, first of all, I do an audit around what it is that they have been on the path of creating or maybe not creating, maybe they're just starting out. So I have um, a couple of different types of clients that come to me. So um, I have one client who is just at early stage. So they may have just been thinking about um, creating their own brand. And I have another client who has started, but maybe having some problems in actually trying to build and grow. So it's really around sort of like what's worked, what hasn't worked in their opinion, and what it is that they want to concentrate on to, you know, really in line with their goals, their ultimate goals, what it is that they're producing. And then it's really, as I mentioned before, about creating foundations. So what I see missing is really looking at the basis of business planning, really. So looking at think, uh, areas like the customer, you know, creating vision and mission, the purpose, and having a look at sustainability goals, or what's important in line with the SDG goals. And then having a look at sort of what does that look like around how you can position yourself. Um, obviously, that big conversation around money is important and also having a look at what kind of business model is going to be suitable for that particular type of person and how what needs to be done to make that happen with regards to the design process and working with suppliers as well is obviously incredibly important. Are there any sustainable fashion organizations or other partners that um, you can Tell us about and what it's like to work with them. Yeah. So I work a lot really with individuals, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm not really a sort of like um, a big believer in the big corporations, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, so, you know, we have some of the sort of like, you know, bigger companies and all that kind of thing. And I'm not really here to promote those, I'll be honest. But yeah, I work more with independent consultants who are sort of like um, very much like myself. You know, they work in uh, maybe product development. Um, some of them are mentoring as well. Um, some of them do lots of um, speaking around, um, you know, what it is to really have a sustainable and circular brand. Um, and really just, um, you know, the important thing is really to have those guys who are wanting to create brands or are founders already possibly just, you know, making sure that they have um, all the information they need to be able to develop and train themselves and become leaders within this field. Do you have a sense of what it's like there in the UK or Europe compared to the US in the sustainability realm? I think we're a bit behind here in the US and we've talked about this on Heartstock before and I'm I'm just curious about your take on that. Yeah, well, I, funnily enough, I mean, I see the states as being more progressive, um, and I, you know, I think that is like that for a lot of industries. You know, I just have that anyway. Yeah, so I think for us, you know, we get a lot of influence. I think the Nordic countries. For me, I feel like that area of the world is the most progressive when we talk about eco. But you know, I think you know, it's easy. 
really to sort of like think that we're not doing enough. And I think that's it's really, really important to acknowledge, yeah, there is there is a lot of work to do, but it's also important to acknowledge that how far we have come and what it is that we are doing. Because I do know lots of people, including myself, that are working, you know, really hard to make, you know, a better place, you know, a better world, better planet, whatever you want to call it, you know. And I think there's a lot of innovation happening in sustainability world and it's moving so quickly, you know, it's sometimes hard to pinpoint really, you know, which area of the world is best because, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot is happening. Um, but there is, there is a lot of really great talent in the UK. It always has been that way. And I'm seeing a lot of, you know, newness coming out of some of the colleges um, and the universities and, um, you know, lots of developments going on with, um, you know, biomaterials um, and the way that some of newer independent brands are adopting areas like resale and using circularity um, initiatives, et cetera. So, you know, it's, it's, it's moving on. And how about things from the customer perspective um, and price? We mentioned the, the cheapness of fast fashion. So the flip side of that, are customers willing to pay more for sustainable in the UK? Yeah, so mainly not. I will say that. Um, I think there still needs to be more conversations, um, education, you know, more information given to potential customers about it because that does put people off. And, you know, I'm hoping one day we'll swing the balance at some point. But, um, yeah, at the moment it's it's still quite um, a hard, hard gig to sell, mm. I'll, I'll be honest. Mm. And I know younger generations here in the U.S. seem to be more sustainability-minded and more oriented towards uh, tackling the climate, things of that nature. How is this reflected in fashion, you think, there? We've got just a couple minutes left. Yeah, so, um, well, I mean, obviously, you know, we've got Web 3.0 and the metaverse, and, you know, I keep getting told that, you know, these are the sustainable sort of solutions. And, you know, I think there's a lot of um, exciting um, businesses that are going to be coming out in the next, which are coming out now, but they're just going to start growing, you know, different um, types of partnerships um, occurring across the industries to create like eco products, Uh, you know, that uh, somebody was sharing with me around making bags out of orange peel and that obviously there'll be another, another fiber with that, but it's, you know, it's, it's crazy to think sort of like how we've evolved with what's possible. And I think that's just going to grow and get better and bigger. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And how can folks find you, Deb, if they'd like to carry on the conversation? Sure. So, yeah, so I have a website. So my website, um, if they want to head over to that, is... um, debsloomis.com and I also hang out quite a bit on LinkedIn um, which will be Debbie Bernadette Lewis if people want to search for me and find me there Fantastic and uh, thank you so much Debbie for being on Heartstock and sharing what you're doing 
It's very inspirational. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. And as usual, we'll be back next week. Until then, peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign there, and on the sign it said, No trespassing, but on